The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. No guest today on Talk of Champions. It's just me and Brad, but we've got so much to talk about. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions, Spotify, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google, wherever. We're there. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and affiliated to 247 Sports. Brad, man, what's up? Good, man. Just, um, you know, coming off a long day. Long day at the office. Just, um, you know, doing a little softball practice. You know, just everyday dad and stuff. You know who had a long day at the office? Our Let's boy, Greg Hardy. Did you see this over the weekend? <laughs> Greg got knocked out. Dude, but here's the thing. So I, I watch. I, I'm a big UFC. I'm not a big UFC fan, but if Conor McGregor's fighting and a few others, I do like to watch just because they talk a lot of crap, and it kind of draws you. And I'm I'm totally easy to sell to. Like it, I'm drawn in. Once they start talking crap, like I'm like, all right, I'm ordering the fight. I don't care if I know the guys. Like I got to see who actually wins it. So they, I am one of the fans that they do draw in. But I was watching that fight, and man, he was like almost knocked the guy out, and I think he got a little too like ahead of himself and like a little too confident, and boom. Left hook to the eye, ugh, dropped him. It looked really odd for somebody as big as Greg Hardy to fall like that, which I would never get in that ring. That, that's some some crazy dudes, but, man, I, I, I was kind of shocked. I mean, Greg is the perfect person to fight in UFC. He's insane. But he gets knocked out by Ty Tuivasa. I don't know. I don't watch UFC. I just watched Greg get knocked out. And the first thing I said to a buddy of mine was, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. And then for the guy that knocked him out to celebrate – with a shoey, which is pouring beer in your shoe and chugging it. Yeah, Greg, getting knocked out was fun. Yeah, that was that, that was crazy. Speaking of, a, I have a great Greg Hardy and Kentrell Lockett story. I don't know if Forty would like me to share it, but I have I have one where they're both involved, which is outstanding. Okay. <laughs> so this is this may be one of the, one of the oddest oddest uh, moments of my my oldest career, but. So obviously Kentrell's a certain way, Greg's a certain way. Um, Kentrell's a little bit more kind of straight lace, team oriented, kind of you know you can't really you got to really do something to forty to make him mad. I can make him mad, but not a lot of people can make him mad. Cause I used to hold him all the time, but um, you know them two get into it one day after practice. Well, they're in the locker room, and the problem is they're um, they're both in towels. Okay, so you're hoping it doesn't get rough. <laughs> with these two just in towels coming out of the shower with soap on their back still. Well, unfortunately it did. So you got two six foot six, 250 pound guys going at it full fist fight towels flying off. 
naked dudes, soapy guys. And <laughs> you talk about not only are you scared to jump in because they're both, you know, they're both pretty good fighters and kind of skilled. They're naked dudes that are soapy. So you can't even get a hold of them. So, um, absolutely ended. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember who broke them up, but, um, that, that's just kind of one of those things. Every time I think of a locker room fight, I think of that fight. It was, I mean, I remember looking across at it like, man, that was absolutely brutal. So yeah, Kentrell Lockett, um, Greg Hardy fight. I don't think Kentrell knocked him out. Um, Greg Hardy naked fight. Soapy body was, was, was one of my oddest moments. See, here's the thing. Kentrell has told the story about how he and Greg got in a fight and he won the fight, but he left out a key detail that they were butt ass naked. <laughs> Well, yeah, and those little bitty, those little bitty towels. They, I mean, they were hardly holding up in the first place. But um, when they got the scrap and they were flying, so uh, I mean, that was that was unreal. So nobody was volunteering to jump in and grab two soapy naked dudes. See, I, could, I uh, bet y'all could fill a full hour just talking about locker room stories because the crap that goes on in there is nuts. I remember one time it might have been forty. Somebody told me on this podcast one time that Taylor Rent was acting like a jackass at practice and just wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. And Perret was like the sheriff of the locker room. No one screwed with Perret. And we later found out in life, no one in general should screw with Perret. But anyway, in football, in a locker room, he kind of ran everything. Ted Laurent gets out of the shower, and Perret gets some guys to hold him down or just hold him still, and he saran wrapped him. <laughs> I don't remember that story, but it would not surprise me. I, I don't know if Perret was saran wrapping, but I know um, Perret would smack the taste out of your mouth if he didn't like what you did. So... Him and Jamarcus Sanford signed me up. If those, if those dudes, I'm taking those dudes to war with me. Two of the most terrifying guys I ever played with. See, that's something that not a lot of people acknowledge, and I've wanted to get him on this podcast before because I knew Jamarcus back when we were freshmen because we had English 101 together or something. And Jamarcus doesn't look. I mean, he's ripped to shreds and he's a really um, athletic looking guy, obviously, but he doesn't look like he'd scare the shit out of you. But so many people I've heard in telling stories about those teams mentioned how, yeah, Parade is, of course, horrifying. But Jamarca, you did not screw with Jamarca. And it's that whole South Panola deal, but you just couldn't screw with that guy. Well, here's the thing about those two guys. So there's there's different types of guys. There's guys that are kind of cocky and you kind of you don't know if they're really bad A's. Those dudes were never rude or mean to anybody. It's just, hey, like you didn't want to cross those guys. Like, like one time I I hit, I was on card team when I was a, a freshman. I hit him late, like, like more so than I probably should have after the play. And like, I knew I was going to have to pay for that. Like, I'm like, all right, like he, he's not going to just say, he, he, ha, ha. Like he, you do something sideways to, to one of those guys. And they're never going to disrespect you. They're, they're both good dudes, like super nice can talk to, but like, if you did something to disrespect them, you're going to have to see them period. Like that's just, that was their personality. And it just is what it is. So um, yeah, that, those were, <laughs> those were, those were two, those were two alpha dudes for sure. And my other Greg Hardy story that stuck with me, and this one did come from 40 is he said one day in the locker room, Greg just brought throwing stars in and started throwing them at lockers and stuff. And everybody was kind of freaking out because he had no <laughs> regard for anybody around him. He's just throwing, throwing, so like ninja throwing stars, just choking them everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he would wear a weight vest around campus as, as his actual t-shirt at times, which is, um, I mean, I guess when you're ripped like that, you can do it, but. Um, yeah, no t-shirt. Just throw on the, throw on the old, um, little weight vest and go to class. He's nuts, man. He's nuts. Media stories aren't as funny as actual locker room stories, but David Brent told this story and it's always been funny to me because I was right there with him. After practice, you remember this. It's not like this anymore, but it used to be where we would wait on the practice field and when y'all got done, the media relations person would pull you aside and then you would talk to the big group. It was really awkward mm -hmm. and dumb and stupid. And if you weren't the first one pulled aside, you had to awkwardly wait for that big crew of media people to stop surrounding the first person and go to the next one and go to the next one. It was this really just weird dynamic. So finally, we get done talking to you or whoever it might be, and we turn to talk to Greg. Well, Greg is sitting on the ground Indian style. And so we walk up to him to talk to him, and a normal person would have gotten up and done the interview. But Greg, no one says anything. We looked down at Greg, he looks up at us, and then finally, David Brandt broke the ice and he just sat down right beside him. And everyone followed suit. And then we conducted the interview. If I made you project where Greg Hardy would end up later on in life, you would pick something like this. Maybe you would have gone with professional wrestling. This does track with who Greg Hardy is. 
Yeah, he's definitely a fighter type guy, but man, what, what kills me whenever I see him is that, I, I mean, I, I honestly, there's a lot of crazy stories about Greg, but I honestly had a decent relationship with him. Um, and man, I just, I just go back to watching him on film and how good he was at football. And all I think was, man, that dude could have a hundred million dollars right now and be like on a well on his way to a hall of fame career. He led the NFL in sacks one season. Think about that. What kind of mm-hmm. money does the NFL sack leader get? They wasn't get he a sixth huge- rounder. Yes. And the only yeah. reason he was a six rounder is because, you know, he kind of had, they, they claimed he had character issues, all that, which, you know, that kind of checked true. out, but <laughs> it checked out, but man, but, but, but to me though, I look at that and I'm like, man, dude, this, I get it. UFC, like that's probably like his real like passion. Cause that's kind of the guy he likes to fight and do crazy stuff. But dude, you're the NFL sack leader. You could have a hundred million dollars right now. Like that's what uh, him and Alden Smith, two dudes that I've played against that were unreal to block and, just didn't quite take the right path. And I mean, it's sad, but, um, I mean, Hey, well, what can you say? Hey, Jerry gave him another shot, a one year deal with the Cowboys. So it's hard to feel bad for Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's done some screwed up stuff, but you're right. The talent was always there. It was never in question. And you got to give Ed Ordron credit. And I'm very slow to give Ed Ordron credit about anything, but recruiting wise, he was awesome. He was a three-star prospect and he gets on campus and immediately he's good. Everyone just looked around like, oh, my God, who is this guy wearing number 86, a bizarre number for a defensive end. But everything about (laughs) Greg Hardy, it's always been a little off. So it's kind of perfect that he ends up on the main card. And now you've got it where UFC is effectively saying that we don't know if Greg Hardy's got a future in UFC after getting knocked out like that. So who knows? Who knows what's next? But you can pretty much guarantee that wherever Greg ends up, it'll be weird and it'll have something to do with unhealthy aggression anyway just wanted to start with greg we got so much stuff to talk about stuff that actually matters Ole Miss football recruiting's got momentum the mlb draft is happening the third day is today as we're recording this two rounds are down tim elko has not gone through the first 10 rounds and that's significant we'll get to it but first we start with the lead our lead story tonight the lead you idiot it's the lead the lead the lead brought to you by thomas chandler of modern woodman are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else well our online sponsor thomas chandler of modern woodman is looking to hire new financial representatives here in mississippi and no background experience is necessary but you do have to be a resident of mississippi what he's looking for is someone who's highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others a full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance a matching 401k and a pension plan for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Ole Miss has picked up a lot of commitments, like a flurry of commitments over the course of the last four days, four or five days. Now, I reached out to Brad early on Monday and said, look, I just want to do a Sowell scouting report. That's what I want to touch on, a Sowell's scouting report of all these guys because I don't do recruiting anymore. I bring David Johnson on to tell me about guys, and then I act like I'm smart to my friends. Now you are going to be the one that makes me sound smart as we do this Sowell scouting report of these commitments, but we're not just going to keep it to the guys who've committed recently. Okay, so first, do you want to just throw them at you? How do you want to go about doing this? Because this is your deal now. How, however, man, I mean, just, just um, how, I mean, I, I had the pleasure of spending a little time um you know, looking at some of these guys and I um, gave you what you wanted. You've been wanting this. You wanted me to say, Hey man, I need you to do a scouting thing for me because this is what you love to do. This is your favorite thing to do. No, I like, so, so I like looking at college players going to the draft. It's a lot, a lot different looking at high school players because there's a lot of stuff going into, into that. I'm more so like to judge the college players, but, um, for the first time I did go look at, um, into more intensive look at some of our, our commitments. So I got some really cool ideas and some, some cool stuff looking at him. I'm just going to throw a guy at you. We're going to start with Preston Cushman. He's an offensive lineman. You being a former offensive lineman, you've got some thoughts, Preston Cushman. Okay. Yeah. So I had a chance to watch him. Um, one thing that stood out to me with him was he, um, he has solid feet. I mean, I think if you look at um, the way he does technique, you watch some of his drills, some of um, some of his film or whatever he you can tell he understands technique. Um, he, he's definitely going to be be one of those guys that um, that can play multiple positions. What I think, which I think makes him really versatile. If you look all over his film, he's played left, he's played right, he's been at guard, he's been kind of all over the place. 
Um, and he also, uh, one thing I thought was cool is he plays with a little bit of an attitude out there, which is, um, which is, you know, half the battle when you're no lineman. So, um, yeah, the only thing with him is, Hey, his technique looks good. I think he really understands O line play. He doesn't play very wild, which, which I think is cool for a young guy. Um, I just think he needs to get his body and physicality to match what I think his idea of technique is. So I think he's a solid pickup. Um, what, what I'd like to do on each player is give him an NFL comparison and, a, and a, um, an Ole Miss current or former Ole Miss player comparison. My NFL comparison on him is like a Justin Pugh, um, kind of that body style, may, maybe a little bit longer than Pugh, but kind of that that dude who can maybe – Miss Duke could probably play anywhere from center over to guard tackle. He can, I think he can play all five. And um, I think that's why they really like this guy. And then um, I think he's very much so like Ben Brown, um, the current Ole Miss player, which all my other ones are former. But but I think he's the only guy I could think of that he was like. He's a lot like Ben Brown, just kind of that body that can that can play all over. But I think he'll end up at guard, to be honest with you. You really studied this, didn't you? That was a full-on <laughs> breakdown. I had no clue who this guy is. No clue. I just know the name. One thing you always look at, too, when you look at recruits. So he has a bunch of Ivy League offers which means he's a good student in the classroom too, which is kind of what you're looking for up front. So um wonder if they're maybe thinking him to groom him for center one day too, just because that's usually the guy that kind of has to process the whole offense. And like I said, Ben Brown kind of guy, just super smart guy. He seems like he's a, he's going to be a real, um, a real, you know, student athlete on, on top of a, a good academic player as well. Am I going to have to build another intro to make a segment Sal's scouting report? Cause Holy crap. All right, here we go. <laughs> Jeremiah Dillon. Jeremiah Dillon, fun, fun watching him. So, so this dude is pretty smooth on film. So when you first watch him, you're like, man, is he running hard? But then, then you start seeing him pulling away from everybody. He really glides. This dude's kind of sneaky fast. And you can tell at, at times um, whenever he wants to go to a second gear, he can, he can like turn it up, turn it up. I think he has like elite speed, but it's hard to tell when you're watching the film until you see him like, okay, you can tell when he kind of turns it on and off, which, which is really cool. One thing I thought that was cool about his film is he's, he's very versatile. So he's, he's returning kicks. He's a really good punt returner, really good kick returner, kind of played defense, very good closing speed. Um, the only thing, only thing that, that was tough on his film, and I think anybody else that watched it would, would think the same thing, is the level of talent he's playing against is, is I mean, it's, it's, there's, some, there's some bad ball. I know he's at a, I think he's a small academy in Mississippi. I don't know much about Park Lane. But, um, yeah, he is, he is head and shoulders better than everybody else on that field. And it's not even – not even close, but yeah, this dude is, um, he's like a glider. I mean, I love how smooth he is. I think he's going to be one of those players. Don't really give him a position early on. He's one of those guys is going to kind of come in. You know, I think they'll try him on defense, try him on offense, but this dude's a blazer. If I gave him an NFL comparison, I think he's just like Paul Richardson, a guy that I play with in Seattle. Um, one of those kind of slender, just can kind of really blaze guys, but really smooth with it. And um, former Ole Miss player reminded me a little bit of Snoop Brazel. That kind of body style, that kind of like sneaky athleticism can kind of glide it out. Um, yeah, he, he's he, he's he looks like a really good pickup, looks like a guy that can really take the top off. Nobody Snoop Brazel. But I love this. I love this so much. Okay. We have stumbled <laughs> onto something here. All right. I don't know if I'm going to ever get this guy's name right. I'm going to try. I'm going to butcher it. Timmy Gagofian? Let's go with that. Timmy Gagofian. Yeah, so I, 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 so the first thing that stood out to me was his body. So he, um, he's, he's a really good-looking build for, for a high school kid. I mean, he looks like what you want to tackle, 6'6". I bet he's about 295 or so. Um, pretty dang athletic kid. And um, I think he's a really good fit for this scheme. He's really good in the zone game. Um, for, for a kid his age that can kind of open up and, and get his hips open and, and reach guys, but reach guys under control, not, not just getting out there and flailing and, and getting beat inside, but no, he really reaches guys. He does, he plays under control, finishes the, sh the shit out of guys too, which is, which is really cool. Um, I think he's a good athlete. I think he's a, he's a sneaky, really good athlete, um, moves very well. Um, the only knock I saw was I think whenever he gets to Ole Miss, he'll have to work on his pad level a little bit, which that's all young guys. He's a taller kid. But but for the most part, man, I think he's a prototypical right tackle. Um, you know, he's going to fit this scheme at right tackle pretty well. M maybe could use his hands a little bit better, but those are all things fixable, coachable. But um, yeah, he's he's a really good frame, man. I, I really can't wait to see this kid in about two or three years. Whenever they put you know ten fifteen pounds on him, I, I bet he's one of those dudes that's going to be one of those yoked linemen. I used to hate those guys. They come in and get six pack. All he's going to be, he's going to be a good, a good, good player for us. So, player, player comparison for NFL. I think Cornelius Lucas. 
uh, maybe a little bit smaller in corn, but but that same kind of player, the, the, their style of play. And then um, Ole Miss, former Miss player, I think Daryl Harris type of guy, maybe a little bit taller than Daryl, but that same kind of build, really athletic, um, can kind of you know move real well, really good in the zone, um, that, that kind of player. This is what this podcast should have been the minute you joined as the co-host. What the frick have we been doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Jacarius yeah, Clayton. It. Um, Jacarius Clayton, I actually enjoyed watching him. So, so the reason why I wanted to watch him is because I know there's been like a lot of talk. Hey, he's rated as an offensive tackle. He's, you know, he wanted to play D line. Just this kind of one of those guys who had a mixed review on him. Um, it doesn't people give him different positions, all that. So I just kind of want to open-mindedly watch this kid and he is very, very tall, but what's really cool about a kid that tall is he's, he's he doesn't play stiff. So usually what I'm looking for when I'm looking at a kid that, that they're projecting as an O lineman Hey, does he does he move athletically? Does he does he is he a stiff guy? Because usually a big tall D lineman, and he's kind of he's a little bit stiffer. You're thinking, hey, this kid's gonna for sure be an O lineman because he can't get off the double teams and get crushed on double teams because he's so tall. But this kid's really, I think he really has a chance to play D line, and and and, and you can go a bunch of different ways with this kid. You can either say, hey, I'm gonna make him because he's like six six and a half, almost six seven. You can say, hey, I'm gonna put thirty pounds on him and make a make him a big big tall inside presence, which he's a he's a hellacious matchup for guards because guards always have the shorter arms a tall guy like that with with long arms can absolutely abuse some shorter guards as long as he knows how to play at this pad level and um and really use it but um i definitely see i definitely see where the offensive tackle talk is if you look at him his, his arms are absolutely i mean his arms are massively long so that's probably what people are seeing and saying hey this kid could probably be a really good offensive tackle but Man, he actually moves well at D-line. So um, my, my NFL comparison, I play with this guy, Calais Campbell, type of player. If he goes the D-line route and goes gets a little bit bigger, uh, maybe like a 300-pound mark and kind of plays that that head-up four-eye uh, DN spot, depending on what the game is, can kind of really use his length to, to, to get some push and, and be a really good pass rusher. Or if he slims up a little bit, he, I, mean, I think he's Ole Miss type player, like a Marcus Tillman. Maybe put him on the edge, a run stopping kind of guy. Can get a sack if you know really gets if he gets gets going. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this kid is, is another one of those guys that has really good versatility where you can kind of mold him. Just get him here, tell him whatever you want to tell him. He's gonna play D line, whatever. Get him here, and then he's a really good looking athletic kid, big old kid that can, that can move, and then he he closes to the ball well. So yeah, excited about that guy. I think I think he can play D line. I really do. It's probably not true, but I feel like Marcus Tillman is one of the most underappreciated Ole Miss Rebels ever for how good he was, and I think he started from day one. Yeah, Marcus Tillman was a solid player, man. He he really was a six foot five, six six, two seventy five ish kind of guy, and like whenever you had a zone block versus him or head up run, he was he was going to hit you. He was gonna you had trouble moving that guy, and um, it just because he didn't get the gaudy sack numbers, um, you know is what it is, but, but Marcus Tillman was a solid football player and this kid could be, be very similar to that. Um, you know, I think he's, I don't think this kid's going to be like a super twitch off the edge guy, but Hey, if you, if you left him at two seventy with a good body, six, six, and you put him on the edge to, to, to mush the edge. I mean, that's, uh, I think he would, he would be solid there as well. The signs of summer are here, freshly mowed grass days in the water at the ballpark and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season. And concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen light it up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. 
Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I don't know anything, and I admit that, but two things need to be mentioned here. First, he's from Tupelo, and I cannot remember the last kid of consequence that Mississippi State wanted or another big program wanted that Ole Miss got from Tupelo over those schools. So to get this kid committed out of Tupelo, that's a big deal, even though Tupelo is pretty dang close to Oxford. Anyway, it's also really close to Mississippi State. I get that. But that's a big pool, and Tupelo for me is basically like living next door because I'm from New Albany. And second thing, Randall Joyner is doing work. You talk about maybe the hire of the offseason, Randall Joyner. He's crushing it right now. Yeah, he, he's doing so well. I actually went online and started like researching the guy, um, kind of seeing his personality, seeing what, what's so attractive about him. Um, he seems like a pretty real kind of, kind of, kind of guy that relates to everybody. He is absolutely killing it, man. If if we land and we can close out this D line class, you know, with what we have, obviously got Malone. If we can get Harris on campus, we got the kid, you got this kid from Tupelo. Um, you know, I mean, dude, I think our D line's setting up to be pretty good. I think I texted you that this weekend. Um, the, they're they're getting some pieces that they need, and and this D line's gonna look totally different in about two or three years. I'm trying to find what you texted me. Let's see. If we get Otis, I was in a movie. I went to see Black Widow on Friday night. Did you go to AMC or what theater was it? No, because first of all, we were supposed to talk about that. Remember, you're supposed to be my stock advice guy. Tell me when to buy whatever, and you never <laughs> did it. No, I went to the Cinemark in, coincidentally, Tupelo, okay. and watched Black Widow. Okay, if we get Otis, talking about Jaheim Otis, committed to Alabama, who David Johnson and I agreed is now my guy. I always choose a guy every single year that I just decide is my guy, and that's the one I'm going to follow and know anything about. Jaheim Otis is that guy. If we get Otis, our D-line will be stupid, all caps, stupid, in two years. You were fired up. Yeah, man, I think that, um, you know, that, that gives you, if you get Tupelo Kid, which is Jakaris Clayton, and then you got um, Tywan Malone, Zavon Harris, and then Jaheim Otis, and that gives you four legit bodies to put in the middle that that's something almost has not had in a long time. Funny how we could talk about this class, this group. You always throw Tywan Malone in there, and you have been throwing him in there since that kid popped up as a target for Ole Miss a year and a half ago. You love you some Taiwan Malone. That was your guy. That's the one you picked. Yeah, he's he's gonna be pretty special, and we'll, you'll see two two year two three years from now you'll see. I mean, he's he looks unless his film <laughs> is 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 deceiving me. He um he does some pretty special stuff for his age already, and you gotta think he hasn't even been really coach coach yet. So um yeah, it'll be I think he'll be a special player for us. Okay, I'm taking us off track here. It's my fault. I'm having fun. I always feel like I talk way too much, like I'm doing right now. All right, the next one, because we're not just doing the commitments recently. We're doing the recent run of commitments stretching back to June. Reginald Hughes. Okay, so, yeah, Reginald Hughes, Juco kid. Um, got to watch him a little bit. Um, he was used mostly as a pass rusher, it looked like. at um, I think it was in Northeast was, was where, where his film looked like it was. And, um, yeah, was was a pass rusher, and when I went look at his size, I was like, man, that looks a little small off the edge, but he's really, really quick, and he, he has some pretty advanced moves for his age, which, um, I mean, I, I watch it just – when I see a pass rusher, I like to watch, you know, hey, what moves are they actually doing? Are they just rushing into guys? Are they are they using their hands? Are they are they in-out in guys? Are they really understanding how to get a line to stop his feet? Um, you know, so you can get get them, you know, get around them and stuff. So he's really, really athletic off the edge. Um, I mean, he was pretty darn productive as a pass rusher, man. He was, he's getting after those guys. I don't know if the Juco tackles were <clears throat> just a, a notch below him or what, but he was, he was really, really tearing up those guys and super physical. And if you watch his film, one thing that sticks out is his closing speed to the ball. It almost looks like they're fast forwarding it. Seriously. Like, I mean, if you watch it, I mean, he, the, the, as soon as he gets around the edge, 
he gets there quick or if a guy gets outside of him, he tracks him down like extremely fast. So um, really cool player. Um, I can't wait to see how Ole Miss uses him. I don't, do we use him as a pass rusher? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that, that we do that, but I mean, I think he's one of the, another one of those versatile guys that can maybe stand up and play linebacker, come down and, and rush the passer as well. Um, yeah, I think he's one of those just versatile, really good athletes. I mean, he seems like a, a, a pretty solid pickup. He seems like an alpha guy. Um, I'm actually excited about this kid. I, I, I'm comparing him NFL body, NFL style player to Jarrett Davis, linebacker from Florida. Um, played against him quite a bit. Same kind of guy. Can kind of stand up, play the middle, can really crush you in the middle. Then if he comes down the edge, he's just super athletic and can kind of kind of rush a little bit at times too. Um, and then Ole Miss, Ole Miss guy, he's definitely Marquise Haynes. They they move sim- very similar. Um, if, if you look at some of their moves and stuff, and he's he's that kind of guy. He's going to be a speed speed rusher, um, tough to punch kind of guy. So yeah, th- I think he's, he'd be a lot like Haynes. You can't say Marquise Haynes and Snoop Brazzle and all of these things. You're going to get these people all wound up. What are you doing? You got to make it more. <laughs> you're putting superstar status on some of these guys already. Come on. No, I'm giving you what they can grow into. That's not what they're going to be day Fair. one, but Fair. that's, that's, that's the player they're going to grow into. And if I, I can't say they're going to grow into lower players, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm giving them, Hey, that's, that's where their ceiling will be around, around these guys. See the danger of comps. People will hold you to them, even though that's not what you're saying. You're not saying, for example, that Jacarius Clayton is going to be Calais Campbell. You're comparing the body type. And if he lives up to his incredible potential, if he becomes the very best version of himself, well, yes, then. Correct. Yeah. This is the same thing scouts do when they're, when they're scouting. They try to give you, hey, what you think their ceiling can be. And obviously, you're hoping they go way past that. But I'm, I'm giving like, hey. This dude hits on all cylinders. He could be like a Haynes kind of guy. That's it. Everything goes, or he can be a Jarrett Davis kind of player. You know, if not, then it's you know it's on him. But his potential is is there to be that kind of player. I just love that. I've done so many comps before, and I've had people in Twitter mentions or on the message board. You name it. <laughs> Once you make those comps, if they don't live up to it, or if they just bust, bust out completely. Hey Ben, remember when you said Tony Connor was Ed Reed? That's the problem. I'm not saying he's going to be Ed Reed. I'm saying at his very best self, that's what he kind of looks like. That's what it looks like. That's the body type, the playing style. And Tony Connor kind of fit that perfectly until Derrick Henry cut him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, comparisons are what to me, and they do this, man. They put player comps on people so you can kind of put a visual of what you think this player will be like. To me, it's what they can become. No way in heck do I think that. Um, Jacarius Clayton's going to show up and be Clayus Campbell. I mean, I think that he he starts working out and gives it, you know, some good good run in the weight room and becomes like a super hardworking leader guy. Yeah, he can certainly turn into Clayus Campbell. He has the exact same build. Um, he's a six foot seven defensive lineman. That's what Clayus Campbell is. So, um, yeah, that's that that's what I can see him molding into. But it's certainly he's not going to show up like Clayus Campbell. That we have to explain that is just terrible. All right, the best for last. Xavier Harris. Yeah, big, just absolutely big time potential. I mean, th- this dude is, um, you know, he, he, he's, uh, he's an, he's a real big presence in the middle. He's one of those guys. I think he's the type of player you'd have to game plan for a little bit. Um, maybe if you're if the ball that week, you're saying, Hey, this run may not work that well with this guy in the middle. Um, every, just about, I, I would call him unblockable in high school and he plays at a pretty good level in Mississippi high school football. So, um, yeah, he, there's nobody really blocking this kid and, and he's, what's cool about him is he's a big old boy, but he plays with good pad level and he's really athletic. So that's, that's kind of a dangerous combination. That's kind of the, Hey, like you got, you, you that's like a gift. You know, he's like a more, more of the gifted level kind of kid. So, um, plays a really good pad level, you know, gets a lot of push, um, uses his hands well to get off blocks. And he, he's one of those guys, man. I mean, when he gets off, he he finds the ball and he makes a tackle. I mean, it's, he's very athletic side to side, which is which is really cool for a kid that big. And um, I mean, I think he can grow into. You got to think he, high school kids come in. You know, he's 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 a probably a little bit thicker than than he's going to look in a couple years. I mean, I think he's going to come in and lift weights, get even bigger, stronger. Um, I think there's a there's a high ceiling for this kid. Um, if I had to give him a comparison, um, he's he's one of those he's one of those centerpieces in a program. I think Marcel Darius is a really good NFL comparison for him. And I think he's a Benito Jones kind of player as well. So that, that those three all remind me of each other. Just a big old dude that can, that can just flat out play and move. I mean, he's, he gets off the ball, 
very well with good pad level for being so big and Duke can run like side to side. You can, I mean, I, I can definitely see why he's a, a solid basketball player too. So, um, yeah, he's very athletic kid. He's a, he's a centerpiece type of guy. I mean, he's a, he's like, he's up there with the Tywin Malones. I mean, he's a, he's one of those guys where if you can get those two, if you can get Tywin Malone and Zavion Harris on the D line and some kind of pass rusher with, especially some of this good secondary we've had, I think our defense is, is going to bud well in the future. Now that you've looked at the recruiting momentum for Ole Miss over the course of the last handful of weeks, knowing what they did last year in a COVID year when they couldn't do any in-person stuff, now that you've taken all of this into account, what is your expectation then? What should the expectation be then for where Ole Miss finishes, not only as far as the top 25 is concerned, but maybe the SEC and the SEC West? So, I mean, I I think here's the thing. I, I know the r- rankings are – are good and all that. And, um, you know, you want them to finish high. And it's certainly, I, I think it, that you expect to always be in the top 15 with, um, Lane Kiffin here, but if you actually, six down, if you actually sit down and watch these guys, the kind of guys they are bringing in are guys that one fit the scheme and two, man, there's a lot of upside and potential in these guys. And I think they think they can, you know, coach these guys to, to, to reach their potential. But if you actually sit down and watch, man, they're bringing some really good football players. And sometimes the rankings don't, don't show quite how good some of these guys are, but, but overall, man, I mean, you got some some of these D linemen have, have legit potential here. I mean, these are some good sized kids, like 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 what we haven't had in a while. So, um, I, I think you know the expectation when it comes to rankings, all that, um, great. Let's be let's be top ten, top fifteen. But if you look at what they're actually bringing in, I mean, it's it's dudes that are gonna that are gonna help this program. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after we hear first from B A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Well, he said that, too. I think in his introductory press conference, he mentioned how uh, they wouldn't necessarily just be chasing stars constantly and chasing rankings and stuff like that. They're looking for tools. They're looking for particular tools, and they're going to go after what they think are style fits, but also, in a way, lottery tickets. Because if you buy enough lottery tickets, if one or two or six hit, you're doing pretty damn good. You're filling a roster that can beat anybody, and that's kind of what they're going for. They're not necessarily thinking, okay, well, this guy yep. is the number 75 kid in the country. Let's chase him with everybody else. If they find a kid that they've evaluated at camp or scouted at camp, and say, we really like him, like a Jeremiah Dillon, for example. We really like him. We like his tools. We like his projectability, what he could potentially be. They don't care what his ranking is. They're just going to sign good football players who they deem to be good football players. And, and that is a style of recruiting that, that I actually respect and like. I think that is that is a very good way to look at it, man. I I feel like I would it would be hard for me to look at a kid and say, oh, okay, this kid's a star, this kid's that star. Dude, listen, let's bring them all to camp. I'm going to watch every one of them closely. I'm going to think, I'm going to think about this player. When I think about the plays I have in my playbook, I'm going to say, Hey, what would this player look 
look at what would this player look like during this play during this scheme hey he does this really well he fits this scheme hey he can cut really well he'll, he'll fit like I wouldn't care what the stars are if this kid could do a certain I mean this is what Bill Belichick has done for years I mean he 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 just plug and plays these guys and he picks out certain dudes that do really good things that that he's asking them to do in the scheme and they all these guys go there and have this random success that didn't have a whole lot of success at other places and um that's that's that would be my style if i mean that and that's what i think kiffin's doing as well and these guys are all all you know i think you go in and there's some obvious five stars you want to get and that you wish you had but if not man if you don't have that luxury like in alabama or some of these other schools you go out and find dudes and you look at them and you, you say hey what are they going to do for me in these certain situations hey i can turn this guy into what i think's a five star so i think right now you're seeing them grab really good solid potential players and some some big time players and hey man if we can grab you know if you can close this class out with a couple of the higher end ones to mix in with all these guys that we have high hopes for and that guys that we think we can see doing special stuff in, within our scheme boom you have a great great recruiting class and you have in your mind you have a, you have all five star recruiting class well you've been around this far more than i have you've been actually been in those rooms be it the nfl or college recruiting or with the draft but there's a hive mindedness to a lot of teams to where there's a general consensus about who are the best players and where they should go. But then the best of the bunch surprise you. Like, for example, a Bill Belichick drafting Logan Mankins, who was a projected third rounder. He ended up being an all-pro guard. Will McClay with the Cowboys. He's done really good with this. Drafting Travis Frederick in the first round. When the hive-mindedness of the drafting community, the scouting community, the recruiting community said, oh, well, he's a third rounder. Well, not necessarily. Evan Ingram's a good example college-wise. Back when Evan Ingram was being recruited, when he came to camp at Ole Miss, they were absolutely wowed by him. He was undersized, really skinny, but the hands, the vert, um, the way he was able to run by guys, his proficiency as a route runner, all those things, they could see what he could be, and he was a three-year starter. A lot of the scouting community can be hive-minded. The best of them, they're not afraid to trust their own evaluations, to trust their own eyes. They don't have to listen to anybody else. I know what I'm looking for. And once you get to a place where you know what you're looking for, that's how you get ahead of the game. Nick Saban's like that too. Think about it. Everyone knows that Alabama can sign whoever the hell they want, but you always look at like the three or four or five, three stars that he signs in a particular class, and you know he's found something. Josh Jacobs is a great example of that with Nick Saban. He was a three-star coming out of high school. But he saw what he could be, just like you're projecting what they could be as the best versions of themselves. And Nick Saban feeling like, and being validated in that feeling like, he is the best head coach in college. Well, guess what? I'm going to make him his best self. So I'm going to take the tools, what I'm looking for. He checks all these boxes, and I'm going to turn him into that. And that's what he does. That's what the best do. And Lane Kiffin, I'm not saying Lane Kiffin is one of the very best at it, but obviously he's gotten to a place now where people that try to question at all his strategy or what he's looking for or anything like that, he shuts you the hell up. And you know what? Every good offensive coach like Lane Kiffin that I've been around, they've done this. I've seen them do this. You look at Bruce Arians. He went out and got John Brown, um, wide receiver from, I think it was like Missouri State. I mean, I don't want Missouri State uh, Grillos or something. I don't even know what their, their mascot was. Came in immediately was was dominant. And you look at John Brown now. I mean, it's – you look at when I was in Chicago, we got Tariq Cohen. I mean, th- th- these th- th- there's guys out there that they look for a certain style in them. Um, who was it? Was a kid from from UAB? I think his name was um, I forgot. JJ Nelson. It, it just one of those kids kind of out of nowhere. They they were always really good. The good offensive coaches were always really, really good at going out there, finding a guy that they could they could envision their their top five plays in. Hey, what would this guy look like in these plays? And and they would go in and and they would they would just absolutely kill it and it'd be this random fourth rounder from a small school and there's no perfect science to it man and and really good offensive coaches and really good coaches in general know how know how to go out and find that diamond in the rough that that, that have a have a few skills that um that, that can really fit really be maximized in what they do so um yeah he's, he's certainly one of those guys who's who's in his mind every guy he's getting is is going to be a dude because he he's went out and looked at him and and knows hey they're going to fit in this scheme some kind of way. We have totally stumbled onto something here, man. You are so screwed. I'm going to just send you names no matter what. From this point forward, when Ole Miss gets a commitment, well, don't even expect to get a text. Just know, oh, well, Ben's going to ask me that on the podcast on Tuesday. Because, I mean, 
We have stumbled onto something here. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, talent evaluator, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. This podcast is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me. I've been there. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, and if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you, and they're going to get you into your next vehicle with a great deal, and their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates them is that Mason and Brian and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Make sure to tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Whew! A scouting breakdown from Bradley Sal. It makes what we're about to talk about seem... Kind of trivial in comparison, but it's consequential because it's Ole Miss baseball and what it means for next season. So let's go around the circle. Around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Going around the circle to talk some Ole Miss baseball because the MLB draft is happening right now. It's day three. Three Ole Miss Rebels and one Ole Miss signee have been drafted. Jackson Job, number three overall to the Detroit Tigers, the first high school arm to go in the top five since 2017. The strategy for the Tigers, they wanted to draft him high, so they go above slot later. Gunnar Hoagland was drafted number 19 by the Toronto Blue Jays. Doug Nikhazy went off the board on day two in the second round, number 58 overall to the Cleveland Indians. And Taylor Broadway went 185, the sixth round, to the Chicago White Sox. None of that is surprising. We all expected Jackson Job to be drafted and drafted high and to sign. And there's a lot of, I think, false hope being generated out there about not only his family, his dad's a professional golfer, the money, the signability. Um, Maybe he had a high number. He'd moved into Ole Miss, moved to Oxford. But that was only because the draft was happening in July. He was always going to be a long shot if miracle to ever end up at Ole Miss because of how his stock skyrocketed over the course of the last year. He started out as a two-way player for Heritage Hall in Oklahoma. He was a pitcher and a shortstop. Then he goes to the 2020 Perfect Game National Showcase, turned heads of every scout and evaluator there. And from that point forward, he focused primarily on pitching And I was reading fan graphs, and one thing they mentioned about him in particular is that he probably has, in their estimation, the very best pitch of any pitcher in the draft, and that's his slider. It's a wipeout 80-grade slider. He would have been undoubtedly, for the rotation projections for next year, a weekend rotation starter. Maybe the Friday night guy is a true freshman. It's a big loss, and I don't know who's going to fill out the rotation next year because Gunnar Hoagland, I'm so happy to see him not lose that much value. He did better than he did coming out of high school with the Pirates when he was drafted 36. The slot value for that pick is about $3.3 million. For Jackson Job, slot pick number three, $7.22. They're both obviously gone. And Doug Nikhazy, his slot value going number 58 overall is $1.2 million. He's going to sign. But here's the thing I wanted to talk about. Tim Elko has not been drafted through 10 rounds. Obviously, the torn ACL is playing in the minds of teams that are drafting. But the number one thing with Tim is I had heard if he got picked from four to about eight, he was probably going to sign. If he got past 12 and hadn't heard his name called, he was coming back to Ole Miss. Right now, the last pick in the 10th round, slot value was $142,000. If he doesn't go... By the 12th, I think it's all but a lock that he's coming back. It sucks for the kid because completely healthy, he's a top six-round pick, but the ACL's playing a big role, and there's a bigger pool to select from because of the COVID year. So it's not just the current crop that are draft eligible, but the other guys that were left out of last year's draft because it was only five rounds. It's a bigger pool to choose from. So teams, though they might love Tim Elko and tell him before the draft process, We'd take you in the fourth round if you're fully healthy. They don't have to risk that, and that's why his name's still left on the board. 
But I had heard that $100,000 wasn't going to be enough to persuade him then, if that's what it was, to not come back next year. He was the only question mark. Kevin Graham's coming back. Justin Bench is coming back. It would be absolutely stunning if they don't end up coming back. So you think about next year's team. If Tim Elko is back, well, the number one question about the lineup without Tim is who plays first base? And they pursued the Arizona State first baseman who committed to Texas A&M. Well, now that has been solved. Tim Elko is the first baseman if what I think happens happens, and that is he returns to Ole Miss. Because even if he gets selected today, early, I've heard that teams have tried to undercut him with slot value, undercut him with his slot money. And if that happens, no doubt he's coming back. But again, teams don't really have to take that chance because of his ACL. So it sucks for the player. He's one of the best people you'll ever meet. He deserved to have this be his moment. But the injury's playing into it. There's a bigger pool. And if you look forward for Ole Miss, they're going to return one of the very best offenses, not just in the SEC, but in the country. The question is, Brad, who the rotation candidates are. Derek Diamond, Jack Doherty, Wes Burton, John Gaddis, the, the uh, transfer from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I've heard there's not a lot of other really intriguing transfer portal arms out there anymore. And if that's the case, well, that's the biggest need. Still, if they get Tim Elko back, well, now all of a sudden, they're right back in contention. Do they have enough pitching is the question, because that's what sunk them in Arizona. Yeah, that's that's going to be the question, man. What, what do we do with the rotation? I think it's going to be fun to see it, see it play itself out. I mean, I think in my time at Ole Miss um, – you know, we, we've always seemed to to kind of figure that out. You know, when the, when the season started, we I don't think we, we've very really have we rolled out just uh, just a, just a rotation that that didn't have some have you know some guys step up and and a few guys come out of nowhere. So same thing will happen next year, man. We will have a few guys come out of nowhere that we didn't have some T.J. McCants, some uh, Gonzalez. Hopefully, you have one or two of those guys or one of those guys that are, that are a newcomer that we don't even know right now is going to be a future almost star, but. Every year, man, we bring guys in that, that that there's a guy or two in that class. You're saying, hey, yep, he's going to be the future guy we're looking for, looking at. So, also, man, I don't know if you saw, but um, I think T.J. McCants' brother went in the third round or so. So, yeah. no, Mississippi State actually took a pretty good hit in the draft, but they just won a national championship. So, I'm not thinking they're crying too much right now. Ole Miss would definitely trade off that a national championship to be in that same position to lose bigger players for next year because they're riding a national championship anyway. Um, when I look at Ole Miss in next year, first base, Tim Elko, if he returns, second base, Peyton Chatney, shortstop, T.J. McCants or Jacob Gonzalez, third base, T.J. McCants or Jacob Gonzalez, who was named the freshman of the year by D1 Baseball, left field, Kevin Graham, center field, Justin Bench, right field, Hayden Leatherwood, catcher, Hayden Dunhurst. They're running it back. They they are running it back, man. That 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 it that will be nice, man, for for a team that you know, was had a pretty solid year. You know, I mean, injuries. offensively, they they sma- they, they mashed, did. they mashed. Bring it on, all 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 hands on deck in the pitching staff. I, somebody will step up. Somebody will come in. I mean, I, I, there are a few guys that I, I can't wait to see. The kid from Tupelo, if he makes it to campus, which it looks like he will. Um, the the kid from I think his name is Riley Maddox or whatever. I think he's he's supposed to be solid. Um, maybe there'll be a freshman come in and. Um, and, and blows away. I mean, who would ever thought when you're looking at our class that a Peyton Chatney would be what he is now. So there, there'll be some guys. And, yeah, there'll um, be some guys. Here's my thing about it. I'm not ready to give up on Wes Burton. I'm not ready to give up on Derek Diamond. Derek Diamond was supposed to be the obvious Friday guy once these two guys left. Gunner and Doug were always headed out the door after three years. Well, that happened. And Derek was supposed to be the next guy up. And his first year, you thought, oh, he's well on his way. But last year, he kind of hit the wall. Well, maybe Derek just kind of went through what Gunner went through in his first full year. And maybe he has that kind of emergence. He's not going to be Gunner. He's not going to be a first-rounder. But just that kind of turnaround to where he becomes very steady but obviously you got to wonder what the health is going to be with the shoulder and we don't know what that's going to be so waiting to hear about whether or not he'll be fully healthy we'll see jack doherty emerged there there are candidates the number one thing for me is when i saw what happened to tim and i hate it and he could still go he could still be drafted in the 11th 12th 13th 14th number that he finds sufficient and leave i'm not saying that tim is going to be back I just feel like going into the draft, it was completely 50-50, a complete toss-up. And at this point, I see it as like 85-15 that he's coming back because I just know how they were preparing for the draft, how he and his family were preparing for the draft, and how it fell for them. Okay, But the first thing that popped in my brain after it happened, Mike Bianco, in handling the LSU situation as he did, 
whether he meant it intentionally or not, by not getting that job, he has now placed all the attention on himself. Next season is all about Mike Bianco. And it hasn't helped that he still hasn't said anything. Posting on Twitter a meme of some sort that says, to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. You can't be so naive to what the general feeling is right now. You need to speak. In doing what he did in the offseason and going and interviewing in a very public manner and not getting the job, staying at Ole Miss, you have put all the attention on yourself going into next year. And now you return one of the very best offenses in all of college baseball with Tim Elko if he does come back. You now have one of the very best offenses in college baseball. So there are no excuses again. Yes, we all agree. You lost some pitching. You lost Doug, generational talent. You lost Gunner, generational talent. You were robbed of that in 2020 by COVID. You were robbed of it with Gunner going down with Tommy John this year. But going into this year, on the flip side of that, all the talk was how much pitching depth you had, and then by the end of the year, that pitching depth was nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. We heard all about 22 pitchers they have on the roster and all this experience and all these guys that could play all these different roles, and yet by the end of the year... Your number two reliever behind Taylor Broadway was a JUCO transfer, Brandon Johnson, and the number three guy was a true freshman who was redshirting into April. So, while you would like to say this is a retooling year, not anymore. This offense is going to be able to hit. Arizona approved and beating the crap out of Ole Miss in game three. You can hit your way to Omaha. And Ole Miss isn't going to be a complete disaster on the mound. But you can hit your way to Omaha, and now you have an offense that can do that. So, there are no excuses. And everything you've done in the offseason, refusal, straight-up refusal to talk about it, you're just setting it up to be all about you. No matter what, it's going to be about you. And we know what the mandate is. And you got an offense that is Omaha-capable if Tim Elko is coming back, which right now... And it could change completely as you're listening to this because we recorded this well before day three started. But if Tim Elko is back, you have an Omaha caliber offense. I understand you're taking a step back pitching-wise. Doesn't matter. Not many years you have your pretty much your whole whole lineup coming back, you know, on offense. So that, that, that'll be fun to watch. And, hey, man, I mean, you can't – not every team comes this season, you know, as the perfect team. So you never know. I mean, every guy is this offseason is, is working on something that – one thing that's cool about baseball, and you hear this all the time, guys will, will switch something with their grip or do something, um, you know, drastic. They'll just essentially change their whole career. We see it happen all the time. There will likely be a guy or two like that. Uh, there will likely be a guy or two from this past year's team that don't get to play much this year because they maybe took a step back. It happens to us every year, but it'll be cool, man. It'll be cool to see the rotation sort itself out. I know we got some good dudes coming in as well. Um, man, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I think it'll be, um, we'll have a lot to look forward to. And, and, and one thing's for sure, this offense will, will absolutely, um, blister some people. If you'd have told me that you and I would have to do an hour podcast this summer when nothing was going on, I would have said, there's just no way we're going to have to skip that day. And somehow, some way, because of Bradley Sal's scouting report, not only did we get through it, holy cow, we have stumbled on something big time. The Bradley South Scouting Report. It's a mouthful. We'll have to shorten it up, make it sound better. But yes, well done, sir. And then my baseball ramblings where I'm effectively just beating a dead horse at this point. There's been talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Peyton Shatney, I think, is going to be the guest on Thursday. Stephen Godfrey's coming up, I think, next week. I'm working on some other stuff. And then I'm going to Destin on vacation. Some best of stuff may be coming up. We'll see. That's later on down the line. But this week, Peyton Shatton, yeah, I think it's coming up on Thursday. We'll work it out. But, hey, man, we filled an hour. I'm proud of us, Brad. I didn't think we'd make it through. Look at us. Look at us. Yeah, we're getting there, man. We're, we're getting, getting there. there. We're, we're getting there. See, just a little there. bit better. Summer, yeah. summer is tough, man. I'm not going to lie. There's no no sports going on. It's um, it's tough. But there's always something, something good around the corner that we can talk about. And, um, yeah, I mean, this week we got lucky. I mean, not. Uh, Kudos to the Ole Miss staff for absolutely going out there crushing it and getting some good talent this week, and it gave us something to talk about. So um, good job by them, and they'll, they'll keep it rolling, I'm sure. I'm excited to see what's next. From this point forward, I'm just going to send you names randomly, and you go, oh, God, there's another one i got to talk about.
Oh, crap. Yeah, I'm going to go watch that film. It's happening. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'll see you later. All right. See you, Ben. Hotty toddy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.